Well, glad y'all are here. I see lots of new faces, which is really exciting. Um, we're missing our soccer players tonight. They had a game, so I'll have to text them and see how they did. Uh, but tonight we're in our third week at Vespers um, of the semester, and we're studying Genesis 1 through 11. And our series is called And It Was Good, because we're trying to see and believe and um, realize that God is good when he wrote, when he um, created the world, and God is still good today in our world, even um, despite all the brokenness and pain and sin. God is still good, and God is still moving. And so that's kind of what we talked about week one. It, we read the creation story, and we talked about how we first need to put ourselves in the original audience's shoes. We need to be faithful travelers and step into the story from their perspective, and then we can ask, what does this story mean for us? And we talked about how God still sees us as good and how God has not turned his back on us. And then week two, last Vespers, we talked about being made in the image of God and what that means. And we learned that being made in the image of God means that we have the authority to rule the earth. We are free and we have the authority to rule. So we talked about that we each have a little plot of land that we are called to. And we are supposed to do our job to subdue the earth as humans because we are free and we have the authority to rule. Um, and so tonight we're going to be talking about uh, Genesis 2 and we're going to talk about when woman was created. And then the first time that God actually acknowledged that something was not good in the creation, um, not that woman was not good, but um, before woman was created. So we're, we're going to get into that. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to chapter 2, starting in verse 18. And it'll also be up on the screen for you to follow along. Also, if you don't have a Bible of your own, we have Bibles in the back there that you are free to take home with you. So it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper to a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable ruler or no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So right off the bat here, in um, verse 18, we see that God says, it is not good for man to be alone. So the past two weeks, we've been reading about what is good. God created creation good and beautiful, and God created humans and then this is the first time God acknowledges something is not good. What is not good is for man to be alone. So the first thing God does is he brings all the animals to Adam. And I kind of imagine this like 
a little fashion show where they're like walking down the runway and each animal's like strutting down and they do a little turnaround and then Adam's like giraffe or donkey and he's just having a blast and then he gets to the end of the lineup and realizes oh well those are all great and all but none of them are suitable to be my helper but I want to recall what we talked about two weeks ago that um Grace is laughing at me. Um, She hates when I call her out. So two weeks ago, um, when we talked about being made in the image of God, um, we have the authority to rule. And so God is affirming that in Adam right here, where he's allowing him to be the one to name the animals. So that's a big deal. Like, God created all these creatures, but Adam gets to be the one to name them. So that's going to be my first question for you guys tonight, is if you could rename any animal, what would you name it and why? This is Annika's idea, so you can thank her. She, she said we should start out with a fun one. All right, let's hear what you got. Who wants to share their new name? Nolan has a mic. If it's good enough... I, I think I would just skip a step for cow and just call it steak, you know? Oh, gosh. Just skip a step. That's... That was good. That was good. <laughs> so there's a story behind mine. So I grew up on a farm, and I had pigs. And you know how pigs make the oink noise? So I had a pig. <laughs> And um, I did, like, this was my first word, y'all. Oinker was my first word, and that's what I named my pig. I think that's a good name for a pig. So, yeah. I agree. That's That's what I would rename pig. Anyone else have any creative names? Can't top that, I guess. Huh? I don't know if anybody wants to try and Oh, hi. Uh... I don't know. I got like kind of literal with mine. Like we were talking about cats. Like why are cats called like small cats are like small or like called cats, but then lions aren't called big cat, you know? Yeah. It's like cat and then big cat. And I don't know. Like you have medium cats or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> you just call things by sizes. And then we got to like zebras and stuff like that. Why aren't they just called striped horses? You know? Yeah. Makes no sense. Oh, and then like I said, I don't know. Donkeys are just ugly horses at some point, you know? <laughs> you just call things how it is, you know? <laughs> Anybody else dying to share? Courtney? Okay, this will be our last one. (laughs) Okay, um, apparently I thought like this was a common thing that people called snakes, but they all told me it's not. But I heard a lot of people this summer call snakes danger noodles. Danger noodles. I like that. And I honestly agree with it. That is a brilliant name. Awesome. Well, y'all are very creative. I hope you had fun with that one, and I, I didn't make you get right to the deepest part of your souls tonight. But um, So, great job. Now, so we get to the end of the animals, and Adam's finished naming them, and he says, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So I want to pause and talk about this word helper for a second. Um, God says he's going to find a helper for Adam, and then we see this word helper again. So it must be pretty important. Um, Normally when words are repeated multiple times in the Bible, it's important. 
But often when we think about the word helper in the English language, we think of this term as a subordination, um, like it's someone lower than, and that is not really a helpful way to think of this word. The original Hebrew word for um, this word is azar, I think is how you say it. Uh, I'm in Hebrew 1 right now, so I'm not going to pretend like I know what I'm talking about. But this is the original Hebrew word, and the better way that it could be translated is probably ally. So um, think of this word here as ally. So Adam needs a suitable ally or partner um, because, I mean, we, we know how the story's going to go right next. Like, he's going to have to go to war, and he needs an ally to go in with him to war. He needs a partner. Uh, so it's not a subordinating word. It's not a lesser than word. It is an equal ready to go to war together. Um, and then also, another thing I want to point out that the word helper is also used when talking about God. So I'm going to read a few scriptures for you real quick. Um, Psalm 33:20 says, our, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Okay, so this is referring to God as our help. And then Deuteronomy 33:29 says, Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, who is the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. So I, I don't think that um, God would choose to use a word helper for himself that is saying that he's lesser than. So I, I just want to challenge us to think of this as an ally, as a partner. And then there's a few other things that I want to point out as we look at this text. So God said that man is not supposed to be alone. He says that it's not good for man to be alone. But we know that God desires to be in relationship with humans, right? We talked about it, that he talked to humans. He was, humans were the only creature that God spoke to himself. So that shows us right off the bat that God desires to be in relationship with humans. And Adam and God have a really good relationship here. So why is that relationship not enough? Why is that relationship not enough? Um, Scott McKnight says this, at the start of that relationship between God and Adam, it is a healthy one. But even with the strong relationship between God and humans, God himself notes a lack. Adam needs a relationship with a peer. So it wasn't Adam that noticed this lack in his life. It was God. God noticed that he needed a peer. And so as I was thinking about this and processing it, I was like, okay, the best way for me to think about it was like, if my mom and I have a really great relationship, we could be great friends, I mean, we could be best friends, but if she was a really good mom and cared about me, she would encourage me to have relationships with my peers because she would know that those relationships would benefit me a lot more because they are in a similar season of life to me and that they can relate to the things that I'm going through, whereas, like, she didn't grow up in a time where there was technology and, or I'm, she probably had some technology. She would be mad at me for <laughs> saying she's old, but they didn't have like Instagram and all that stuff. And so um, she would encourage me to have relationships with my peers. And that's what I think God is doing here. He's being a good father and saying like, yes, I love having this relationship with you. I want to have a relationship with you, but I think it is good for you. In fact, I think it is harmful for you not to have relationships with your peers. 
So God notices the lack, and he wants to bring Adam, a helper. Um, God also provides Adam this helper before crap hits the fan. And I think that's really interesting. God wants to provide Adam this ally before sin enters into the world. It's not like an afterthought that he's like, oh, oh no, um, I think he probably needs some help. No, he desires for these relationships to happen before the hardship comes. And I think that that's beautiful and says something about God's goodness. And then lastly, um, if God himself acknowledged that Adam needed a friend in the perfect Garden of Eden, like before sin, before anything bad was happening, if God himself said that Adam needed a relationship, um, I think that like, we should realize that loneliness is a real thing. And I want to just talk about that for a second. Like, loneliness is a real thing, and we should never feel guilty or ashamed for desiring relationships. And I know a lot of us might have believed this lie before, or someone might have actually said this to you, and I'm sorry if they did, but we believe this, that you shouldn't be lonely because God is all you need. You shouldn't be lonely because God is all you need. And don't get me wrong, like, you need a relationship with God, and he can be a friend. He can be that helper to you. But if you or someone in your life desires relationships, whether that's with a friend or with a significant other, that is normal, and in fact, it's good. So I don't want any of us to feel shame for, for being lonely because we are designed to pee in community. Um, and then one more thing is that this, this is talking about marriage here. Like they're, Adam and Eve are becoming one in marriage. But I don't think that this text is limited to only um, a marriage relationship. I think it's talking about any type of community because marriage isn't just about love and rainbows and butterflies. Right, Aaron? It's not just about that. Um, it's about finding a suitable partner for you someone that's going to know the best and the worst things about you and is going to be an ally to you in life. And so you can find that in a friendship as well. And I think a lot of y'all, I don't think, is anyone married here? So none of, yeah, my, my helpers. Um, so y'all might not be in that season yet, but that doesn't mean that you get to check out and that this isn't for you because you need community right now. You are made to be in community. So my first or second question for us to talk about is what are some tangible reasons why we need helpers or community in our lives? Give specific examples. Why do you, why do you need an ally in your life? What are some specific reasons? Um, you can share maybe a time when your community has been there for you, or maybe a season you tried to walk through alone, and what was that like? So give, give some examples. All right. What do y'all have to share? What are some tangible reasons why we need helpers in our lives? Okay, you got um, it. Oh my gosh, it's so loud. 
Um, so we were kind of saying at our table that it's really nice to have people with, around you like to create accountability and to just like help you know that you're not the only person going through something. And it's like when you're alone, Satan attacks you and makes you think like you're the only person going through this, like you're awful, you know, like whatever I may be going through. And then you tell someone else, it's like the most comforting thing mm -hmm. to be told like, yeah, I struggle with that same thing or, you know, like I struggle with something even worse. And it's like, it just makes you feel better and it makes you like, obviously you can help each other and work through that like struggle together. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Accountability for sure. Emily, right? Dang it, Laura, sorry. 50-50 chance. <laughs> My name is Emily? No, it's not. Anyways, um, I would... Okay. You're good, you're good. Um, we were talking, and <clears throat> one thing I was noticing was that, like, Abby and all of these lovely ladies right here um, know each other and have, I guess, kind of been there for each other this first year. It's their freshman year, and she was their crew leader. And so I was kind of sitting here watching them, listening to them talk, and I'm like, this is a tangible reason. Like, all these people, I can see how much they appreciate each other. Um, and also, it'd be really difficult to have a conversation about God by yourself. Mm. And having another human present, whether it's for you need a hug, you need someone to help you up uh, when you're down, or you need, like she was saying, accountability. You need someone to look you in the eyes and say, hey, you're not doing the right thing. You need to get out of the valley you're in. Yeah. And I can help you there, but you have to do the work yourself. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, yeah, because we're not just spiritual beings. Right. We're also physical and emotional beings. And having people physically there to help us is great. And having people who also can feel the same emotions that you're feeling mm -hmm. is just encouraging and... Um, other words that I don't can't think of right now but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I love the fact that you acknowledge like we are physical and so it we need people to give us a hug or to shed tears with us when we are sad or to jump up and down when we're happy like we need people to be able to experience those emotions with us it's awesome Abby okay so same table but um I was just uh share a more experience I can't talk. Um, a more personable answer, I guess. So uh, my freshman year, it was pretty rough last year. The first semester, I went through like a lot of bad things all at once. And we talked about like helpers um, at our table. And there's Christian helpers, and then there's worldly helpers, I think. And that's a pretty big difference, because sometimes what the world sends you, you don't necessarily need help from. But um, when we go ahead and like choose that, obviously, it has its consequences. And I was sharing, um, there's someone here, her name's Courtney, she's right over there. <laughs> when I was going through a lot of stuff last year, she kind of pulled me out of the darkness that I was in. And she, like we've been saying the same, not the same answer, but accountability. Um, Courtney and I are pretty good about being accountability partners, and I love that girl. But um, we were talking about how um, it's super important to lean into, you know, the helpers God sends us but also to be careful to um, still like still listen to people that don't necessarily aren't Christians and whatnot, because it's important to know people that don't know God as well, but um, to hear what they have to say and whatnot, but to also just be careful with that. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 By no means does this mean we are supposed to separate ourselves from everybody else, but um, we definitely need a strong person like Courtney has been to Abby to speak truth into our lives for sure. Yeah, someone over here. Um, I was gonna say 
Okay, yeah. Anyone else? Um, so I think that for the sole reason that God says that we should not be alone is the exact reason that Satan wants us to be alone and wants us to be isolated. And so whenever you're alone and you're isolated, you don't have the wisdom yourself. You need somebody to give you the wisdom and tell you, like, you're not alone. You're not by yourself. There is the great helper to help you out of this. Yeah. And Satan wants you to be blind to that. So I think it's really important that you have fellowship and people to show you the light whenever you can't see it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we are by ourselves, we can quickly spiral into a really dark season. That's that's really good. Anyone else? These are good conversations. Um, <laughs> so, as um, David was saying to Abby, like Abby was um, like, Abby's our crew leader from Welcome Week, and what I said was if we didn't have Abby, we would have been screwed. Because, <laughs> yeah, for lack of better words, sorry. <laughs> because um, you, like, we're college freshmen. It is completely different than high school. Like, when I walked in to my high school, it was big, but I've quickly, like, got into a routine. College, on the other hand, was a bit different. <laughs> Because you have um, different classes, different days, and having someone who is older, like Abby's a sophomore and we're freshmen, having someone who was um, more experienced than we were, it was just like she was our helper, mm. and I loved that. Because awesome. if not, we would have spit, we would have struggled. <laughs> Way to go, Abby. Okay, Courtney's last one. Um, something that just came to mind, but I think it's important to point out, is when, it, like, we are made to have accountability people in our lives. Um, but I know I spent so many of my years all through high school waiting for those people to show up in my mm -hmm. life. Um, but like David said, like, you got to be putting in the work yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't just sit on your butt and just hope that somebody comes up to you every single time that you're praying for somebody to come along. Like, you have to be looking for those people. And kind of like Abby said, like, looking for the people that are giving you sound judgment and wisdom um, and pouring into you in the right ways. And, like, you have to be putting in that work mm -hmm. or else you're not going to find your accountability people or your community or whatever that is. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. And y'all are doing good by being here in this space because I promise you there's lots of people who are here or sitting around your table who could be that helper to you. And so I'd encourage you to like continue to lean into these relationships, invest. Like We're creating a space for that to happen. Um, so in the last part of the text we read in verse 25, so right after God has created woman, he created Eve and Adam like broke into poetry because he was so excited. And then in tw verse 25, it says, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So I want to talk about that for a minute and what we can learn from that. Um, so yes, they were both, they were physically naked, but they, it, this is also saying that they were like not having to hide anything. They were allowing every part of themselves to be known, every part of themselves physically and emotionally, spiritually, like they just weren't holding anything back. And um, 
I, we, we live in a world now that uh, we are obviously covered up, but we are covered up in more than one way. It's like we are scared to let ourselves be fully known. And um, so what I want to talk about for a minute is that like shame was not a part of God's design. Shame is not from the Lord. Shame did not enter into the world until after sin, and I know we haven't gotten there yet, but I just want to acknowledge that, that shame is not from God. And so what do we do? Because we do live in a world where there's sin, and now shame has entered into the world, so I know that we all struggle with this. Like, I struggle with shame as well, but that's not from God. Um, So what we need to realize is that because Jesus has come and died on the cross for our sins, he has taken everything already, all our shame, to the cross. He has died for our past sins, our present sins, the ones we're committing right now, and the ones we will commit in the future, and he has taken all that to the cross so that we don't have to live in shame. Like, we don't have to hide anything. If you were at the table last week, Jonah talked about reading the Bible um, as an ABA format. So that meaning A is the first part of the Bible, the one we're spending a lot of time in this semester. Um, Plan A was God's original plan for humans to live in this garden and to have a flourishing life. Well, then Plan B has to happen because sin enters in the world. So that's like all the Old Testament with all the kings and the laws and all of that stuff. And then we get back to plan A because Jesus comes and Jesus dies on the cross for our sins and is resurrected. And so we're in plan A right now and what theologians call the already and the not yet. So we're already in plan A again, but there's also some not yet happening because we're waiting for Jesus to finally return for the last time right? And so we are still living in this tension, like shame still exists, and we're still fighting these battles. So we have to realize, though, as Christians, that we don't have to live under that weight anymore. We don't have to hide anything from our community. So I want to share a little bit of my story with you guys tonight. Um, Throughout college and high school, I thought that I was a really vulnerable person. Like, I thought that I was willing to share anything about my story with people, and I kind of took pride in that. Um, But eventually, through people speaking into my life, like Austin Fisher, who is my mentor all throughout college, sat me down eventually and was like, Cindy, you're not approachable. And I was like, what? Like, what? Yes, I am. And he's like, no, you're not, because you act like you have your life altogether. And then I sat and processed that for a little bit and realized, like, yeah, um, I'm vulnerable about the things that I've overcome. I'm vulnerable about the things that are in my past, but I don't really share with people what's going on, like, right here, right now. And that did not give space for anyone to be a helper or an ally to me. And it, it made people scared of me because they thought that I had my life all together. And so, Four, about four years ago, when I was preparing for my very first sermon that I was going to preach at Vespers, it was on Psalm 139, and I want to read the first three verses of Psalm 139. It says, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You understand my thoughts from afar. You um, scrutinize my path. That's not the version I normally use. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and my intimately acquired with all my ways. 
I need to have that memorized because that's not the version I normally use. But anyways, um, so this chapter, this psalm, is all about being fully known by our creator. And as I was thinking about this, like what I wanted to preach about, I was like, man, if I'm fully known by my creator, why would I not be fully known by my community? If I'm fully known by my creator, why am I not fully known by my community? Because my community has the power to extend the tangible grace and forgiveness of God. Just like David was saying, we are tangible people, so it is good for us to have tangible people speaking truth into our lives. So as I processed that, I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I need to preach on, but you know what? If I'm going to preach on that, I better practice what I preach. And so I sat down with my, my allies, my roommates, my best friends, and there was a big part of my story that I had not shared with anyone, and I literally thought I was going to take this part of my story to the grave because I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed and didn't want anyone to know because I was thought, the, I thought I was the only one in the world that struggled with this, especially as a female. Um, so I sat them down and I told them that for years, something that happened to me in my childhood, in my past, that I had struggled with habitual sexual sin. And that was a big part of my story. And I was so afraid to let anyone know because I was supposed to be a leader. Like, I was on the leadership team at the Vista, and that was something I had struggled with um, since I was very little. And for the first time, my sophomore year of college, I sat down and told people that. And y'all, that was the most freeing experience. And they didn't shame me, those friends. They didn't shame me. They didn't look at me like they were disgusted with me. They spoke truth over me and forgiveness and one of them even told me, and the rest of us, for the first time ever, too, that she struggled with the same things. Um, so I just I want to share that with you all because we don't have to be ashamed of anything. Like, you need to find people who can be allies, who you can trust, and you can share every part of you, every part of your story, and who can speak truth into your life. Because once I brought that into the light, like she was saying, once, once you bring things into the light, the enemy doesn't have a hold on it anymore. And not that that was fixed instantly in a moment, but it led to my healing process. And I had allies who were fighting that battle with me, and I, I had confessed that sin to the Lord over and over again and asked him to help me overcome it but I just kept falling into it over and over again. And it wasn't until I sat down with people, with humans, who were able to walk alongside of me in that struggle. So, guys, we are made for community. We need accountability, like all of you guys were saying. We need people in our lives to speak truth. Because of Jesus, we don't have to hide anything anymore, and we don't have to live under the hold of shame. So our next question, our final question for tonight is, do you believe that Jesus conquered shame and that you don't have to hide anything from your allies? How are you doing with being known by your community? Let's talk about it. You don't have to share your darkest secret. I'm not saying to be known in this moment, but how are you doing with this? All right, does anyone want to share with the group. 
words of encouragement on being vulnerable? Kaylin? Um, so something that I, I do believe Jesus conquered my shame, but he's the only one I'll admit it to. I struggle with talking to my friends and I told the people at my table that the only person I'll talk to is my sister. She's not here. So I'm kind of holding in a lot of burdens right now. Mm. So I encourage you that if you're feeling that same way, you're not alone. Um, and that there is good people to talk to, and that's something I need to remind myself, that there is a good community here um, who can help you just get through the hardest parts of your life. So. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Being vulnerable, Kaylin. First step. Uh, personally, for me, it's easy to see that God is this great God, and he's he deserves all the glory, and he can take away my shame, but as a follower, I feel like I'm, I represent him in the things that I do and who I am, and I feel like I'm not worthy with my shame to represent such a holy, mm. glorious God. Like that's, if somebody's going to represent him, it should be somebody more wholesome and more, got, more kept together, and that's my personal battle is trying to realize that he can work through anybody and everybody. You don't have to be perfect to represent a perfect God. Yeah. Because he, he's perfect enough for the both of us. Right. And if you're, like, waiting till you're perfect to be bold with your faith, then it's never going to happen. Um, we're all sinners. Like, you are equally as broken as I am. And so, yeah, thank you for sharing. Also remember, when I was struggling with that stuff, I was preaching for the first time. So... There's lots of grace. <laughs> I grew up in a church family. Like, my uncle and my grandfather are both pastors. And so when you're sitting on the front row of your church, like, and you're expected to have your life together, that's a really hard, like, thing, especially as a teenager. Like, you go through stuff. High school sucks. Like, you're going through, like, day-to-day -day things. And so when you're sitting in like that and you're sitting in a group of people and then you go lead Sunday school like that's a really hard thing of like I'm supposed to be teaching kids similar to what she just said so it's a very hard thing to like and going off of what Kaylin said yes I do believe he, Jesus has fully conquered shame and that we shouldn't be ashamed mm -hmm. but it is very hard to be vulnerable when you're taught to like suck it up and deal with it and not talk about it. so yeah 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 but what if we like here at the Vista like change that like we decided and committed in this room that we weren't going to be people that, like, BS and acted like we have our stuff all together, you know? Like, let's make a commitment together to be real, and I think it'll go a long way. Hello again. Um, I thought of how in the Gospels there's the lamp parable that Jesus says. Um, and it says no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. And so 
I think that like the people who enter the house are our community. Mm-hmm. The people we hang out with, the people we decide to let into our house. Um, and God already knows all that stuff. And it only becomes shame because we tell ourselves it's shameful. Um, like whenever I tell people um, my testimony, the first couple times I was talking about it, I was like eager and scared to hear their response, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but like, the oh, more, do you still want to be my friend? Like, right, yeah. right. Like, is that too much <laughs> to walk away? Or, But it's like whenever you talk about the things that you struggle with, the things that are shameful, you're not, especially with other Christ followers, you're not approached with shame. You're approached with love, mm. supposed to be approached with love yes. um, and acceptance and people around you saying, we can help you through this mm-hmm. or help you get out of this uh, whole valley, whatever it is. Um, and then like Jesus goes in after that to talk about, he doesn't say like, tell people everything. He says, listen after that. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, be known and know. And that's a command from Jesus. Yeah. And so, yeah. That I love all. that. That's good. Also, when you said the house thing, that made me think of the analogy I've heard someone say before is like, we have, we all have our houses and we have front porch people. So those are like our acquaintances that we keep on our front porch and they don't have to know everything about you and that's okay and then you have your living room people who know you a little bit better but they still might not know your like deepest struggle and then you have your bedroom people who know like the the most intimate parts about you who um those are the people that you're being real like very real with so it's okay you don't have to go tell your your sin to everybody you meet okay just made me think of that david hi uh Okay. Hi, my name is David. Uh, I have uh, two things I want to share. The first one is struggle. There's a pastor said to me that everyone, everybody, they all have the struggle. There's one way you never have the struggle is to pass away. And so, yeah. and, and when you grow up, this means like how many struggles have you been through? But the grow up mean, uh, I'm sorry, the grow up it doesn't mean how, how old are you? The growing up means how, how many struggles, how many bad things do you have been going through? So and somehow the juggle is not a bad thing at all. So if you can get through the bad thing, the juggle, you take a lesson from that, that's it, grow up. Yeah, so, so you're not identified by your struggles, is like what you're saying. It's okay mm-hmm. to be struggling, yeah. Mm-hmm. So everyone have a juggle, so you don't, don't be shy to say anything to the people or, or hide something. But and the, point, the second point is you need to choose people do you believe and choose people do you are uh, comfortable to share with. Mm-hmm. And you want to choose people have your same frame of reference. Frame of reference means like a second thinking, an idea. So you need to start with the same your frame of reference. Yeah. So because you choose the like the best friend ever, it's harder than the uh, the the your girlfriend or your spouse. So that's the thing I want to say. Mm-hmm. That's good. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Choose people who who can hold you accountable and be in your corner for sure. Well, I think y'all had some really good conversations tonight. Um, But I I just really want to encourage us to lean into community because community is a gift. And I just, I think about like, we, and again, we haven't gotten here yet. Next week, we're going to be talking about 
sin and when that enters into the world. But like, when that happened, like, what if God said, okay, now you have to be alone and you have to be separated from other humans and you have to be isolated and try and figure out this life by yourself? Like, I feel like that's probably what we deserved, right? But no, he, he doesn't do that to us. He's like, no, I want you to have community. I want people to, ha- to be around you. You need people to be around you. So guys, we need to take this seriously and accept this gift and put in the hard work, like Courtney was saying. It is hard work to find those good people that you can trust and who are going to speak truth into your life and who are going to call you out of sin. But we need those people. And um, small group plug, if you're not in a small group, those, that's a really, really great place to build those relationships and to have a space to talk about hard things um, and to study God's word together. So if you're not in a small group and you have time to join one, I'd really encourage you to check one out. But we're going to spend a few minutes sharing prayer requests with your group, and then I have a few announcements, and we'll be done. We'll get lots of leftover spaghetti to take home. All right, let's pray together. God, we are just so so thankful for you, and we see your goodness in the fact that you allow us to do life alongside of other people. God, I pray that we wouldn't take that for granted, especially in this season of life where we are getting to live alongside of our peers. Um, so God, we just praise you for that, and I pray for the people in this room that are feeling lonely, that you would provide them with that community. God, I pray for the people who have heavy burdens on their hearts, that they are terrified to share with other people, but that you would give them the courage to be able to bring that into the light. God, whether that's in a conversation in the car on the way home or um, over coffee tomorrow, I pray that they would do that quickly so that they wouldn't get to talk themselves out of it and the enemy wouldn't get in the way. God, I, I just I pray for all our small groups that you would continue to build those groups up and that those would be spaces for people to lean into each other and um, cry and laugh and have so much fun together. God, I thank you for everyone in this room and for them choosing to be here tonight to get to worship you and learn more about you and how good you are. Lord, we love you so much, and it's in your name. Amen.